Welcome to another episode of Conversations About Running, the podcast brought to you by Running Trips. Running Trips is the company behind Kenya Experience and Training Focus Camps. To learn more about our running camps for runners of all levels in Kenya and in the, and in the UK, visit our website at www.runningtrips.co.uk. I'm Gavin Smith, and today Callum and I are rejoined by Hugo Vandenbroek. Hugo is our coach at the Kenya Experience, a former international athlete who now lives permanently coaching in Iten, Kenya. Today, after a general catch-up, considering we haven't spoken for a while, we focus on the performance mindset and the psychological skills that runners can develop to help improve their performance. We feel this is an especially relevant topic at the moment, considering that so many people are returning to racing after a long time away. And the psychological challenge of racing can sometimes be just as tough, if not tougher, than the physical side. Now let's get straight to today's episode with coach Hugo Vandenbroek. Right, welcome back to another episode of Conversations About Running with the Running Trips team. Uh, We have coach Hugo back with us again today. He had a little break whilst we chatted with Miles Edwards. Uh, and Coach Hugo, our head coach for the Kenya Experience, is back with us again, live from from Eldoret, I think I'm right in saying, rather than a 10. Is that correct, Hugo? Yeah, you're right, Gavin, from Eldoret. Which, uh, yeah, for those who don't know, is, is well, it's what, 30 kilometers or so from a 10? Uh, 40. 40 kilometers from a 10, yeah. And I'm here now uh, during the week, Monday to Fridays, because our daughters go to school here. And then on the weekends, uh, we are back in a 10. How how does that work with your coaching? Like, do you still travel to attend for for coaching sessions during the week, or do you meet athletes in the middle? Or yeah, well, well, I just actually uh, this morning came from the track in Eldoret. You know, there's a good uh, synthetic track here, at the Kip Kaino Stadium. Uh, you know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's actually under construction at the moment. Well, not the track <laughs> itself, but. Yeah, it's always under construction. Yeah. <laughs> we are laughing. It's like for the last <laughs> years. But uh, um, no, the track is completely fine, but they're working on the, um, how do you call it? You know, the, the stadium itself, you know, the okay. seats and all that, which was a little bit annoying because, um, so I arrived there at nine o'clock this morning and uh, there are two athletes that I was coaching, uh, Roman Forsti from Estonia. Um, I'm not really officially coaching him anymore, but he joined our session and uh, there was uh, Alex uh, from Switzerland. Um a guy who runs about 14.30 on a 5K. So, um, yeah, I was going to do a session with them and they were inside already. And, and uh, But it was it's really hard to get inside that track. So they kind of just close the gate uh, for half an hour or 45 minutes and then they open it. They let some people in. And um, in the end, I had to show my work permit and, uh, yeah, kind of beg a little bit. And then they allowed me to go in. Is that so, um, Is that COVID related or just... Because it's unorganized and the construction workers are. Yeah, I think the, the the main reason is that there's a lot of construction going on, so they don't want athletes to get uh, hurt, uh, right? So, I mean, when you're walking around there, there's of course you're on the building site, you know. So, um, I mean, you have to pass through the building site before you reach the track. On the track, you're 100% safe, but you have to pass through the area where they're doing their construction. So I can imagine they don't want people just walking there all the time. And, and this is the same track that um, you took our Kenya Experience guests to meet uh, Kipchoge and train uh, with those guys, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was so funny. You, 
last time uh, we were, I remember we were walking and then um, Kipchoge was just in between us, you know, like there was one uh, girl from our, uh, one of our guests and then there was Eliud and then there was another of our guests. And uh, <laughs> when we reached the, and so we were just kind of passing through all the, you know, where they're doing their work on the, on, on the stadium. And um, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, we reached the track, and then our athletes were like, "What? Elliot just walked right here." <laughs> yeah, kind of surreal. Yeah. Right? I, I think <laughs> that's. Um, I remember when I was there. One of the things that struck me, like having come from sort of the, come from sort of working in sporting environments in the UK, um, not necessarily elite, but competitive sporting environments. Then, then went out to Kenya, and one of the things that struck me was just how how casual and relaxed things are, and how which is kind of an obvious thing to say if you know if you know about about Kenya, but in terms of facilities, like just not like you say, like Elliot's training in a track that is sort of half under completion. Like, yeah, yeah I yeah. remember people used to get upset if the if there was just the tiniest thing wrong with the facilities where where we had. It wasn't necessarily running or track and field; it could have been football. And if the pitch was in if the pitch wasn't in absolutely perfect condition, there'd be outrage. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just a it's yeah. just a, it's just yeah. Yeah, it's, more, it's, it's, yeah, it's a bit more relaxed. Like you just don't let things bother you as much. Yeah, I, yeah. I quite like uh, yeah. how I quite like how like um, uh, how much the top like really really world class elite guys just kind of interact with all the other just regular guys and athletes around the town as well. I, I remember when I was first there, um, we were training with some guys at uh, St Patrick's. I think it was uh, the high school there. And um, we were kind of like, you know, a little bit starstruck by some of these uh, fast runners. And then I remember saying to, um, I think it was, I think it's Coach Ian. Is that right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, 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 I remember yeah. saying to him, oh, is it, uh, you know, is it possible to meet David Rudisha? You know, like being a little bit cheeky about it, you know, oh, could, could we meet him? He <laughs> kind of thing. And um, and he was like, <laughs> he was like, yeah, he's my neighbor. I'll just give him a call. And I was like, uh right okay and then uh yeah then david Rudisha came out and he was like hey guys yeah how's, how's it going i was like oh like i was actually kind of half embarrassed like how easy it was i, I was expecting to like you know I'd, i have no idea what i was expecting <laughs> and, yeah. yeah and he just came out and he was just such a nice casual guy and the the, the worst bit was that he we spent maybe like 10 15 minutes chatting and it was all him asking about my running he was like oh, yeah so you, <laughs> you, come on come on yeah. i want to know about you yeah. like, oh, it's, it's great, great. You were a runner, like what? What kind of times are you doing? Oh, good luck in your next race, that kind of thing. And I was like, okay, please, please, can we stop talking about me? <laughs> like... <laughs> so the the only time in in all the so pretty much from day one in Kenya because I was working with Canova, I was working with um, with high level athletes pretty much from the start. So I, I I had no choice but to get used to it really quickly. But there, there's only been one time where I was actually starstruck in Kenya, uh, and basically, I mean, it was Elliot. So to, to to get to the punchline straight away, it was Elliot. Um, mm. I, I'd been told by Valentine, um, who, who is the, one of the managers for NN running team, um, glo global, I don't, yeah, just kind of what one and the same uh, these days. But back then, we, we were working for glo global sports communication. Um, and Valentine had just told me that he had a, a bag of, of Nike kit for Florence um, and that it was going to be delivered to me. I think Florence wasn't there and it was going to be delivered to me uh, down on the farm we were living at in a tent um, but, but it was very loose arrangement I didn't know who was bringing it I didn't know when um, and I was out on the our, our house was a couple of hundred meters from the main road and I was out on the main road 
just waiting for a matatu to to go up to to go up to the trading center in town um and i was just i was just stood there minding my own business uh and this car just pulls up and elliot kipchoge just gets out and he goes uh are you gavin I was like, yeah, yeah, I have, I'm Gavin. You go, oh, I have, I have this for you, and he, he just driven all the way to a tent to deliver a bag, to deliver a bag of kit to to Florence. Uh, wow, wow. Just, just his only instruction was, there's a there's there's a Mzungu who lives by Salaba Academy. Uh, you'll you'll find him easily. And yeah, he's just like, oh, here you go. Here's a bag. This is all, this did is he, for Florence. And I was just like staring at him. Did he pull up? Staring, staring with an open mouth, like. So I said, I said, oh, have you got, have you got business in a tent? He's like, no, I just came to, just came to give this to Florence. Did he, yeah, did he, yeah. did he pull up in a UPS van wearing like a UPS hat? As well? <laughs> yeah, no, he, it wasn't, it wasn't quite, uh, it wasn't quite an organised delivery like that. Uh, it's a good job it wasn't a Hermes driver because he'd just thrown it out of the truck and yeah. Off with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's uh, that's easily up and down, especially at that time. There was nowadays there's a faster route, but at that time I think it was one and a half hour to ten and one and a half hour back. Yeah. About three yeah. hours drive. So that's, yeah, that's really yeah. nice that you did that. Yeah, just a, yeah, exactly. Just to just to help out another athlete. I mean, it's not like it's not like Florence was short of kit. I think if she'd have had to wait a couple of weeks to get yet another delivery of of running clothes, I think she'd have been okay. Um, yeah, yeah. As you know, of course, many top athletes, especially the best ones, they, I mean, they have enough. They get enough clothes to to start their own uh, shop. You know. Yeah. <laughs> even even that's I. Awesome. You see so many athletes in your tent uh, walking uh, around in, in nice Nike or Adidas uh, or Essex clothes because many athletes they yeah they just get too much you know and then they give it out to mm -hmm. others. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Caleb, I, I didn't introduce you. I don't know if we need to now because yeah. we've, uh, we've been chatting for ten <laughs> minutes already. So we, we introduced you guys. So we're also here with uh, with Callum Jones. Yeah. Um, coach, runner. Yeah. Businessman. Bit of everything. What, what, what else do you want to be? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I bought a pizza oven lately. It might be a pizza chef, maybe. <laughs> really? Like what? One <laughs> of those outdoor garden ones? Yeah, the outdoor, yeah. I, well, I just moved into my first house, and I've got a garden. And I thought, right, I'm going to treat myself to this. I'm going to make the most of this absolutely fantastic British summer weather we're having at the moment. Um, well, it's, free, it's not. It's not raining today. That's something. No, that... no. And yeah, I bought a pizza oven, so a uh, little treat. Uh, yeah. So, coach, runner, pizza chef. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how's, yeah. How's, how's the new house? Yeah, very nice. Yeah, it's a little bit stressful. My, um, so my girlfriend is, she, her family live in Norway and she's still out there with them. Um, so I, I hope she doesn't mind me announcing this on the podcast, but she actually just got um, selected for the Norway Rugby Sevens team. So, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty good. She's officially an international. So, <laughs> um, wow. yeah, so she, she's out there playing for them at the moment. Um, so yeah, I've moved in on my own, done all the heavy lifting, moved all the furniture and everything. So, uh, but yeah, it's good to be in. It's nice. Good man. Yeah. Good nice. man. Um, so before, just to let people know then roughly what we're doing now, so you say we've had a couple of podcasts with, with miles, um, and we're going to, it won't necessarily be a strict alt alternation. Alternation. Is that a word? We, we won't strictly be alternating. Um, but sometimes coach Hugo will be with us. Uh, and sometimes we'll have another guest from, the running world um and when we have hugo it's not it's not strictly a sort of performance slash coaching episode but we want to we want to take advantage of the fact that we've got hugo with us and, and utilize his his coaching coaching knowledge so 
we'll move on to we will move on to sort of something in the in the training slash coaching slash performance arena. There's a little bit David Brent David Brent there. Um, uh, but yeah, so first of all, let's um, there's one there's one thing that's happened in the athletics world in the last few days that I I, I wanted to sort of get your guys' opinion on and see if you'd seen it and see uh see see what's been going on. Um, and it's a little bit of a departure from what we usually talk about because it's uh 100 meter running. Have you seen the the well, I guess like the big hype in the 100 meter world of, of the last few days. I missed that. I did. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so it, this is an athlete who I have never heard of, but I think he's extremely famous in his own world, uh, which is American football. Um, which is a big world, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big world, but it's not one that I know anything about. Um, right. Right. Me neither. Yeah. Can you, I, Russell Wilson, I've heard of. Is there any other American football players I know? Um, Tom Brady. Yeah. Can you add any? I, no. Oh, I Tom Brady. Know. Is there a player? Sorry? Okay. <laughs> well, what, I, yeah, I heard of Tom Brady. I, I did, I, I've heard of Tom Brady, but I, I didn't know he was a football player. But glad uh, okay. to know that I know at least one <laughs> player. <laughs> yeah, so you, you know who he is, but not why you know him. No, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think I know any other football Right, there are more people like you, you know. You've heard of Kim Kardashian's or what's her name, Kardashian? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, what, 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 what does she do? Well, what does she yeah. do that makes her famous? <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a that's a good question. I mean, that's a good question. But Tom, Tom Brady is legitimately famous for yeah. a particular field of, of expertise. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's true. So anyway, there's there's another there's another American footballer called DK Metcalf uh, who plays for Seattle Seahawks and. I don't know the entire story, but the, the, the gist of it is he, he did something on the American football field, which was very impressive. Like he, he basically chased down another player who's known for being extremely fast. Mm. Um, and it, it kind of, have you seen when something happens in another sport and it gets compared to track and field? Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> like for instance, yeah. <clears throat> like for instance, Ronaldo jumps and scores a really good headed goal and and it's all over social media that Ronaldo is Ronaldo can jump as high as a, an international high jumper yeah um, or or it's like oh Gareth Bale's been recorded running it whatever meters per second that's faster than Usain Bolt like these kind of ridiculous claims that don't don't stand yeah, up yeah. to scrutiny but they get popular in in mm. in so so anyway <laughs> make me think of that uh... I just reminded of uh, Britney Spears who posted in, uh, I think it, <laughs> she ran a 100 meters in 6.8 seconds or so, a yeah, new record. That, that's, yeah, that's impressive. That is impressive. Yeah. Um, anyway, go on. Yeah, so, and it became, I think it became kind of like a, an internet meme um, and everyone was, everyone, then I'm talking exaggerate. Lots of people were posting it and saying this guy's got elite, elite track and field speed. This guy could be in the Olympics. Um, American footballers are so far, et cetera, et cetera. And um, Atto Bolden reposted it um, with, I don't know if it's sarcastic, but it was sort of trying to calm the hype down a little bit. And it, so he posted it exactly the same video that other people were posting um, and just wrote 10.4 uh, um, second 100 meter sprinter catches 10.7 second 100 meter sprinter. Yeah, 
you know, just where, where, where everyone else was saying, oh, wow, he could run 9.8, he could run 9, blah, blah, blah. yeah, whatever it was. And it was kind of funny in its own right. Um, but then, as far as I'm aware, out of nowhere, uh, and this is where I may be wrong because I don't know the whole story, out of nowhere, um, this player is entered in the 100 metres at w- whatever the big meet in America was over this last weekend. Right. Um, uh, is it, oh, was it, I don't know if it's Mount Sac or Oregon. I think there have been multiple meets, but whatever the, whatever the big one in America was this weekend, he was there in the 100 metres. Uh, and that then started a whole lot of hype and people guessing what he's going to run. And is he actually going to, oh, wow, what if he actually is? Um, yeah, but it could go either way. It's almost like here's, here's, the, here's, the, here's the, the, the proof. Um, so I know you've got no information to work on, but like, what, what, what would you guess? He is, he is, uh, yeah, he is legitimately incredible as an American footballer. But like, what, what do you think he ran for 100 metres in a proper race? In spikes on a track with starting blocks, electric electric timing. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're asking us. Yeah, yeah. Just, De- just for. A, I, I know you don't have enough information, but De- definitely outside of ten, and definitely, I, I would say ten point two or three, low t- low tens, ten point two five. Hugo. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking something similar. I I, I would go with what Ato Bolden said, ten point four. Probably close to ten, but definitely not under it, and then okay, well so, under eleven seconds. Yeah. So, so I think, I believe he had stated that his goal was to try and qualify for the Olympic trials, which I think in America is ten zero five. Um, so mm-hmm. he ran ten point three seven. Ten point three seven. Okay, 10. so eight Bolden. Yeah, so Ato Bolden was was very close, um, and he was he was last in his heat uh, in in ten in ten point three seven. Um, and that's not. I actually think it's kind of cool that he did it because, like, he he wasn't arrogant yeah. about it. Even beforehand, he wasn't arrogant about it. He was just saying, "Yeah, I'm here to test myself. I I think I'm pretty fast. I think I can qualify for the Olympic trials. Let's let's yeah, let's see what happens." Um, so I think it's pretty cool that he gave it a go. But it is just, I just think this, every event of track and field just gets so little respect from from the general public that you think yeah. that a guy who doesn't like his job's not only to run fast, like his job's to run fast and do loads of other stuff. So the idea that he's going to be faster than people who are, whose only job is to run fast. Um, yeah. 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 I know what you mean. Yeah. And it's, of course, the guy is seriously talented and, and had he focused on an athletics career, he, he, he may have been one of the best American sprinters. We don't know. Yeah. But exactly. uh, that, um, there seems to be an idea among people who are not so familiar with our sport that you know um, that you can quickly be there at the top if you're if you just have some talent you're you're there you know and and that's just not how it works uh, right so, but yeah um, for sure for sure so um, about a year ago when the UK was just in the first lockdown I bet Callum knows where I'm going with this already because it, it wound me up <laughs> I, I try not to get wound up by things that just don't need to wind me up but Ross Barkley's claim of having run a 1330-something 5K just annoyed the hell out of me. Like, it just found it so... I think, I think because it's kind of in the vague region of what I might have, I might myself run. Like, I mean, on, on a, I'd say on a bad day, but on a bad day to think I could get beaten by Ross Barkley like, really annoyed me. Um, yeah. Who is that, Ross Barkley? Uh, so he's a professional footballer. Oh, okay. Um, and like a soccer he, player. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, and he basically did, it was very easy to see what he'd done. He did an interval session of five by a K. Um, mm-hmm. And if you take out the recovery periods, he ran 15.30 something. Um, right. But there were pages and pages and pages of, of debate on social media of like all the runners saying, no way, like zero chance he can run 15.30. Like that's a, that's a solid, that's a solid club level. Like people train really hard for that. And then you've just got the general public all saying he's a professional athlete. Of course he can run because of course he can yeah. run uh, that sort of time. Of course, he's going to be as good as an amateur distance runner. Um, and, and the worst thing about it was that because there'd been zero races in the calendar year because of COVID, he was being uh, some journalist, some silly journalist, one of the national newspapers uh, put that he was now ranked. It was something like he was ranked 13th in the UK for 5000 metres. <laughs> it, was yeah. just, it was just so silly but yeah there was no there was no reason for it to have wound me up but i expect i ranted about it to Callum for a while so yeah, yeah it's, 100%. It, it's, 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 it's yeah he's it, riled me up again yeah honestly honestly strava times is a worse pandemic than the actual pandemic it, it, <laughs> it, like so we, we um we're uh, you know we're hosting this uh Let's 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 just clarify that we do not believe that to be the case. That is no, sarcasm no. from, from yeah, of course. <laughs> um, let's, um you know you know we're hosting this race at um uh, a five k road race that we we're organising mm-hmm. with uh, my club. Um, we're hosting it at like a it's like a cycle circuit on the road. Um, but it's not actually a traffic road. It's um, like a closed circuit, and you run loops. Um, and we held like a trial event there recently. So we invited some runners, anyone could come and race. Um, and we actually got 60 people along and two waves of 30 to come and do races so that we could test our like timing equipment, uh, make sure everything was right for the actual real event. Um, and these runners still got a, an official chip time um, for their 5K. And everyone was really happy, really great event. And we got one guy who finished the race and emailed us saying, oh, thanks, but your course was long because <laughs> Strava results said I actually ran 5.2K, so I'm going to take my... <laughs> and he actually said, I'll take my Strava PB as my PB. Um, we were, Obviously, we just ignored him, like, okay, whatever. But I was just like, oh, it's like you said, it's so frustrating. Mm. But, like, and it, 200 metres as well. He's just shaved yeah, 200 metres 5,000. Yeah, it's yeah. probably like... 40, 45 seconds. And, 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 and to, think that a, to think that a serious race organised by qualified officials measured by people who've got a qualification and how to measure courses yeah. is, is, is going to be inaccurate, but a computer app that's never been there is going to get it right. Yeah, yeah. So this guy must be frustrated that every single track he runs on yeah, is, exactly. is more than 400 meters, right? <laughs> because most of the time around, you come yeah. to the point. 420 or even 440 minutes. <laughs> do, do you remember the old rumours that um, Cameroon was like 411 metres? I thought they said four laps was a mile, so 16 or 9 metres. So, yeah, one, one lap would be 402. That's yeah, what, that's well, what I... yeah, well, that's, yeah. You, you've ruined my story. Okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I didn't say that. It's, 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 not much, yeah, it's not much of a story, but I, I just know that people always used to kid themselves essentially they do a session at Cameroon and just go oh yeah considering it's like everyone says it's 408 or 411 so if I was running 67s at altitude and it's and it's long oh yeah it's actually it's actually like a 65 I, I just heard over the years I just heard so many people say it was 411 411 um, mm-hmm. 
yeah and then when the engineers were there to build uh the h like Lorna's track hatc track which yeah. is officially yeah iaaf official track um they surveyed Camarin and yeah it was 401.7 or something okay so right, right. It, it, yeah it, it was long but it was long by such a tiny distance Yeah yeah not yeah. even like like that's half a second or something yeah. even less than that yeah even less than that so mm. by the way just right. uh, one more thing i wanted to say about the respect for for runners mm. um i always found that and 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 uh, actually many track athletes tell me the same thing that there is a lot of respect for marathon running because people feel like it's so long and and they respect fast marathon runners but it's it's really in contrast with the track athletes you know i mm. i remember with the Bram Som uh, who was a Dutch mm-hmm. man ran 43 in 800 European champion yeah you've seen him later of course uh, at an older hey when he was 35 36 he was pacing many diamond league races so he was saying for example that you know he said so many people tell me oh wow 143 in 800 that's really fast i think i can do that for only 400 meters <laughs> like You can't even run that. No, no, you can't sprint at that pace. You can't even sprint at that pace. Like yeah. 9.99% of the people can't maintain that speed for, for even a second. But uh, that's just hard for people to understand. They feel like yeah. ah, 43 and 800. Oh, I can do that for a lap or I can do that for 200 meters. Yeah. You know? I, I always thought a cool thing would be to, in like world championships and, and the Olympics and things like that, You have completely normal you know, how they do it now, heats, final. But then in every final, you just select a random member of the population <laughs> who doesn't do athletics, and you you make them do the final as well. So like in the javelin, <laughs> they would like run up, do throw the javelin as hard as they can, and they'll maybe go 15 to 20 meters, and compare that with people who are throwing it 90 meters and looking at how amazing it is. And someone, yeah, just a, a random member of the public doing the 1500 and say. I don't know, eight, seven, eight minutes, and then just probably get overlapped. Well, yeah, they would get overlapped maybe twice. Well, I, think, <laughs> I, I think you could take it even further and have a solid club runner, then a recreational runner, then a, or even like you'd have a competitive club. I'm not, I'm not trying to get myself into the Olympics here, but you have a competitive, <laughs> a competitive club runner, then kind yeah. of like a, a mid-pack club runner. Who, who still trains like maybe three, four times a week. Yeah, then just a recreational runner who just goes out jogging yeah then a member of the public <laughs> i think once you saw those different levels people would start to understand because say yeah i mean how many times would i get laps in a, if i ran if i equaled my pb and ran 31 flat how many times would i get laps in a 10k against, yeah exactly against Cheptegei and mo farah and... right 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 let's say they would run 27 flat and you run 31 flat that's a difference of four minutes so yeah you would be lapped about three times right Yeah, which, is, which is crazy. I'd, I'd look like I was. I would look like I was running really slowly. To, yeah. To be, yeah, to be out there running 74s. Yeah, and, and and that's another thing. I remember. I think it was one of the. I think it was one of the Brownleys. One of the, you know, the you know those guys, Hugo, the Brownlee twins, yeah. triathletes. Yeah, yeah. They're, 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 they're not. They're not twins, but yeah. Uh, yeah, Brownlee. sorry, brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the brothers. Um, Yeah, they're, they're, obviously, these guys are, like, super elite athletes like and and really good runners as well, like, really, really good 10K runners. And I, I saw an article um, about one of them ran, I think it might have been sub-28 even for 10K. No, it was, it was sub-29. I, I know what was it, was it, it was. Yeah, it was, it was 28. 29. Yeah, I can't remember the exact time, but it was 28-something. 
28 something for 10k and I saw an article about wow he would only be one minute and 45 seconds behind Mo Farah or something like that and I was thinking so okay he would almost be overlapped twice he would be, he would be 600 meters behind Mo Farah in an, in an Olympic final that's not like that's not headline worthy and I was like yeah his time is incredible don't get me wrong I like that's way way into the elite zone but it's not only in inverted commas <laughs> yeah, one minute sure. I know we're laughing and joking about all this, but I actually think this is a serious challenge and a serious challenge in why the sports, uh, the, the events that we do aren't, aren't popular. For whatever reason, people just can't comprehend just how good the, the top performers are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not particularly offering forward a solution. I mean, I don't think Callum's idea is going to take off as, as good as it is. Um, <laughs> I don't know. How would you select that? Per- how would you select that person, Callum? Yeah, I don't let's, know. Let's, no, let's see. Because... Let's see. Let's see if the idea has uh, has legs. Yeah, because you've got, you've got you seven. Might... You've got seven and a half billion people to select from. You need yeah. one for a five thousand meter race in well, Tokyo. I think it would be. Firstly, it would be some kind of ballot because you you could obviously only select people who like wanted to be part of it. <laughs> you don't you think know. you have to force someone to go to yeah, Tokyo it's, it's like a 5K. um jury duty. Like you yeah. have to do it. Like yeah. I, yeah, <laughs> so it'd have to be some kind of ballot that you open up to the public, and they they all enter. And yeah, I don't know. The, the trouble is, is, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to accidentally select someone. Like, say say I entered the ballot, and I'm like a fourteen thirty five k runner, and then entered the five k. I would actually look. I, I would still be a minute, a minute and a half behind the front guys at the Olympics, but actually that wouldn't look too bad compared. No, to, sure. Like, and, and if I, and if it is a slow tactical race, you might still be hanging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which would be kind of funny. Right, yeah, let's... You, uh, let... No, go on, finish, yeah. sorry. No, go on, I was just going to ramble on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was going to say, let's take Callum hanging on through 3K to pivot to the next point of our conversation. Um, you've had a race, Callum? Uh, yeah, I did. I had a race this weekend, 5,000 metres on the track. Um, uh, yeah, it was a tough one. It was my first race in a long time well since last summer kind of for a lot of athletes at the moment um it didn't quite go the way i wanted but yeah it wasn't terrible it just wasn't what i wanted i ran 14 31 which is 11 seconds off my best um but yeah for me it was a lot about kind of getting into that mindset of being able to hurt yourself again like I've trained really well all winter, but all winter it's been, uh, I guess the, the name of the game's just been control. Every session's been just right. Keep it controlled. Keep it controlled. We're just doing, get, getting a big winter block together. And then suddenly, right, time to race. We're going to do a few hard sessions and then you're going to dig as deep as you can. <laughs> um, a little bit of a shock to the system. Uh, but yeah, you said it, hanging on for 3K and then, well, actually, no, it wasn't. It was going well for 3K and then hanging on for 2K. <laughs> um, I went through 3K in about 8.23, which is a marginally under 14 minute pace, um, at which point I felt okay. And then the last 2K is a bit of a blur, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's quite, a, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not having a go. That's, that's quite a dramatic slowdown, isn't it? From, yeah, 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 it, it was, is. Um, yeah. So what, what, okay, what, what are the what are the what are the main issues there then? Is it was it that you weren't were you too enthusiastic? Was was that it ambitious was, to go out it 
sub-14 pace in the first race? Yeah, well, obviously I've, obviously I've thought about it a lot. I think, um, yeah, a combination of things. Firstly, I think probably to my expectations was probably too high for the first race of the season. Like, I, I still believe I'm in low 14-minute shape. Um, but, yeah, maybe I just needed a few races to get into it. And also, even if I am in low 14-minute shape, let's say, let's say I'm in 14-10 shape and, and in the perfect race, I could run 14-10 if I executed it perfectly. I still did my first kilometre in 2.46 and then my next kilometre in 2.46, which is actually 13.50 pace, which yeah. is actually, which even, even if I am in the shape, I think I am, that's, that is definitely too fast. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just a bit, bit of a blow up, bit of too high expectations. Confidence was high after a big year of training, and then yeah. <laughs> was, uh... Well, I mean, I think we can use this to sort of move into the topic that we want to discuss with Hugo a little bit, which is the yeah, c- c- kind of I don't know what we want to call it, psychology mindset. The, the, yeah, the, mentality. Kind of a vague area because yeah, mentality of racing and, racing and there's there's a few things that have come up already just listening listening to that so i think i'll hand over to i mean yeah kind of to yourself and and hugo but there's a couple of things that have come up in just Mm. hearing that uh hearing you just give that brief description and one thing is one thing that occurred to me is you said i've spent a lot of time thinking about it so I'd, i'd like to hear hugo's opinion on on that as well like can 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 athletes overthink it when things go wrong or is it important that you analyze it when things go wrong so you know what not to do next time can you were Callum's expectations too high did he put too much pressure on himself um are there other things he could have done to manage those expectations just just kind of throwing out a whole load of different areas and see kind of what um what what insights you can you can share with us or or yeah kind of how you feel about that race and how it relates to 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 other runners who might be in similar situations yeah 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 that's a good one um, well, yeah, like Kellen also points out, I think it's it's often you of things. I mean, first of all, uh, when I think about the central governor theory, um, yeah, you know that theory, right? Mm-hmm. Where basically uh, Timothy Noakes, South African scientist, came up with this theory where it says that uh, when we run or when we cycle or you know in any activity. Uh, whatever we do, we are our tiredness is controlled by our brain. So um, <clears throat> our brain wants to make sure that we don't die, basically, that we get enough oxygen coming to our brain and to our heart. So it protects us from getting too close to here, right? So in other words, um, when we get tired at the end of a race, this is not purely a physical thing. This is not just an accumulation of lactate, or uh, our heart uh, reaching maximum capacity or, you know, our muscles reaching maximum capacity. Um, This is always a combination of whatever happens in our body and then the the feedback that is given to our brain. And then our brain says, hey, you know, it's it's getting dangerous now. So you slow down. Um, There's lots of evidence for that. Um, Yeah, I don't want to go into too much detail, but uh, I do think I, I do believe in this theory very much, and I and I do think this is one of the things that 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 explains why lots of athletes uh, don't just like Kellen. He's not the only one. There are lots of athletes who don't do that well in their first race because if you've been training, you know, for a year, um, you can pretty hard, but the, um, the 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 kind of the pain that you feel, the the um, 
the, the suffering that you have in training is, is of a really different level compared to a race for most people, mm-hmm. right? So, um, yeah, when you go to a race, you, you, you reach a certain, yeah, let's say a level of discomfort that you're, you're for a year. Right. So, I mean, Gavin, the week before the race, he did four by 1600 at a pace mm. of um, 13, uh, sorry, 1410 on a 5K, a little bit faster. Yeah? So, uh, 68 uh, lap, 250 per kilometer. Um, and that was a tough session, but that's not the same as uh, running a, a, a 3K in 823, 824, and then still having 2K to go. So, it's it's quite logic that you know you you reach a point where your brain is like hey I don't recognize this feeling this is dangerous mm. um, you know I think you should slow down and this all happens unconsciously of course it's it's not like you have a clear thought like okay you have to slow down because it's getting dangerous but it's just that you're not used to push yourself to to the limit so much it's like you know if it's like if you can imagine. Uh, a big uh, bonfire or how do you call it when you, ma- you make a big fire you, you you can't come too close to it because that's dangerous you'll start to burn so mm. when you have a race you know generally you have to learn to be like a meter away from the fire whereas mm-hmm. when you're training you might be 10 meters away from the fire right yeah. or five meters away from the fire and you get used to that feeling and you're like you're okay with that but now yeah. you're coming like two meters away from the fire and and then Suddenly, your brain goes like, "Oh, oh no! This is this is not good." Right? I was um I was describing it to my friend like um when it comes to the summer and it's like May. It's the first like the first few nice days of the summer. It's a really nice day, and you all go to the beach, uh, but the sea's still freezing cold. But you're like, "Oh yeah, let's get in the sea. Let's get in the sea." And you approach the sea, and you're like, "Oh, you're really nervous. You don't want to get in because it's so cold, and you put your feet in, and it's freezing, and it kind of hurts." But you go in anyway, and it's oh, it's horrible, and you get in. But then the next time you go in, you're like, oh, okay, it's okay. I did it last time and I didn't die. So you go in again and it still still kind of hurts. It's like a bit uh, like that numb feeling when you go in, but kind of enjoy it a bit more. And then the more you go in and out of the sea, it just eventually it just feels fine and you just do it. Even though the yeah. sea hasn't got any warmer, you're just more used to it. <laughs> right. Well, no, that's the, uh, that is a similar example. It's very correct you get used to it. So you're, you know, it's in that way, it's a mind thing, but it's definitely a combination of physical and mental. So, so is that something, say you get, say you get to that point and it's subconscious and you're, you're not really able to differentiate the fact that like, no, I'm actually okay. I actually can do this because it just, it kind of creeps up on you and you don't really know that it's your brain telling you that. Is that something that you can not necessarily overrule, but is that something that you can, combat is that something you could yeah you can kind of say hang on no this is this is my brain playing tricks on me this isn't actually my physical level or is that just something that's going to happen regardless i i believe that you can deal with that you can you can change that but not so much on that moment per se uh, but in your preparation um doing the right mental training uh, but even then um, doing more races is often necessary. So it's 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 not not for everyone, but it's uh, easy. Where you know, I mean, even the world class fifteen hundred meter runners, you know, who are mentally super strong, generally don't go out and run a personal best in the first race of the season. And, 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 and you think a lot of that is is psychological rather than just they're not in as good a shape yet. 
Uh, I think it's a combination. Uh, I, I, yeah, psychological. I always find it hard to distinguish between psychological and physical because it's they're they're, they're so yeah. They're call the same, it they're entangled. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah they are exactly. entwined. Uh, entwined, exactly. So they, it, it's it's a matter of you know your lactate levels go up. There are signals going to your brain saying, hey, you know your lactate has never been above ten, and now it's. This is of course not literally. Uh, I mean, no, Hugo, just to, just to break off slightly, that's one of the reasons why I find science in general and particularly exercise science quite hard to get my head around sometimes because it's trying to different, it's trying to break things down into A affects B and equals C. Um, and I just, it's just almost, in, in my opinion, it's almost pointless sometimes because you can't take out every single factor. Say, for instance, you're trying to test, you're trying to test, yeah, A, let's say in this case, it's, it's psychology and how much does this intervention or this practice affect the outcome i don't know if you can completely take out all the other factors that, that are at play at the same time and i think sometimes that leads to some pretty erroneous um suggestions for, from from the scientific world which is why i've always when i was coaching myself i was more if i had to be either the science or the art i would have put myself more in the in the art category um, which doesn't mean it's not underpinned by some basic understanding, but do, mm -hmm. do, do, do you see what I'm saying? Like, and is that something that you, you, you encounter? Cause just, just because I know you do read a lot of the scientific literature and you do kind of take a little bit more of a, a, a scientific approach when, when you're coaching. Well, yeah, <clears throat> I mean, it, it, it is true. Of course, science tries to understand everything and, and sometimes also by understanding it, tries to, uh, of course, it, it analyzes, uh, scientists analyze everything and like to separate things. And, and, and yeah, that is, that, it's true that it's hard sometimes, like the way you're saying, if you're, if you're pushing yourself in a race, there's so much going on, um, both on a physical and a mental level. And, and these are often, uh, yeah, combined, like you say, uh, entangled. So it is hard to, to separate one thing from the other in that way. That's that's very true, and and so sometimes it's uh, I don't know how to describe that, but I I can understand that the science sometimes confuses you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a that's a good way of putting it. The science confuses me. Yeah, well, well, I mean, of course, it's not always right. You know, I mean, scientists are also just people trying to find answers. And yeah, sure, sure, you're you're trying to move in a certain right. direction rather than saying this is the definitive. Yeah, 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 and 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 science. What I like with science is that it's it's like a search. It's like um, I think true science is not uh, uh, too how do you say too certain about itself. It's just trying to find an answer and trying and and often realizing that you may not have the answer, but you're just trying to come a little bit closer to the answer. Mm. Yeah, completely. So, completely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So can that, we can we can we backtrack again to something you said earlier? Um, and, and you said you do think there are ways that you could improve this interaction between kind of your brain and your body or that, and it depends on sort of what you do in your training, sort of in your mental preparation away from racing. Um, I'd just like you to yeah. take us down that, down that path a little bit. And yeah, what, what do you yeah. mean by that? And what sort of things can, can runners be doing? Yeah. Yeah. So different things, of course. I mean, uh, first of all, you want to have goals. Uh, for your race, uh, which are realistic. <clears throat> I think one of the things uh, which explained, uh, part partially uh, explained Callum's uh, performance 
or lack of performance and and the same <laughs> i think for 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 uh, yeah the same counts for many athletes now i think that you know you haven't had a race for a year and now you're going to a race and now your expectations are really high because you feel like i've been training for a year i've been a lot better so i shouldn't just improve myself a little bit i should improve myself a lot whereas mm-hmm. um, maybe you should realize like hey racing is a different ball game you know um i may have been uh cooking food every day in my house but that's not the same as preparing uh, a dish for a restaurant so if you haven't done that for a very long time it, maybe it you is, should expect... it is in my house <laughs> <laughs> okay we have, we have world-class dinners every night now that now that i'm on cooking duty oh wow i wish i could come <laughs> yeah, yeah you're, you're very welcome sometimes <laughs> thanks so so yeah, if you if it's you know if you realize that this is something you haven't done for a year, then maybe it's good to how do you say reduce or temper your um, your expectations a little bit. Um, um, so, that's one thing. So going, Callum, sorry, Callum, how how was sorry? Hugo, we'll come back to that. How does that race compare to your first race of the season when you did run your PB? Um, yeah, it's a good question. It's it's hard to say because. 5Ks for me are never really a first race of the season. Like I kind of, I do a couple in the winter, then maybe a few at the start of the track season. And then kind of, it's not like the 1500 where 1500, I only race in basically July and August. Okay. But what I mean is how, okay. Maybe not in terms of actual 5K time on the clock, but how does, how do you rate your performance compared to other first races of the season? Uh, Yeah. To put it into perspective, when I ran, the last time I ran 5K on the track, I ran 14.35, and that was perfectly executed. Um, that was a very good race. that I ran even splits and finished fast and was pleased with my time. Yeah. So, so to run 14.31 and not be pleased with my time and to run it pretty badly, I guess it's still, yeah, still pretty good. Mm. So, 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 the, so there definitely was an element, like Hugo saying, of expectation being being not yeah. quite right yeah 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 right Hugo, so. Hugo sorry I just wanted to ask Callum that yeah can we go back to yeah yeah so what what happens of course is uh, what what often happens when athletes have bad or not so good races is that um, at some point in the race they uh, lose their focus uh, I often talk about focus or flow flow is basically when when you're in a flow uh, that's basically you're in you're super focused from beginning to end it's like you feel uh constantly like um running doesn't really cost you any effort you always make the right decisions you know when you even when you're in the last lap you don't feel like you're struggling you it is the when you're in a in, in a really state of flow you it's, it's it's um yeah the best way to perform basically um, you have your best performances normally if we look at uh, athletes whether elite athletes or amateur athletes their best performances are always done in flow and and, and um, yeah so during flow you're fully focused you're fully in the now in the present you're not busy with the future you're not busy with the past right um so when yeah athletes I, so, so, flow, so so hugo it's got um yeah Flow, flow state is the mental state in which a person performing some activity is fully immersed in a feeling of energized focus, full involvement and enjoyment in the process of that activity. Okay, that's a nice definition. Yeah. yeah. Making it extremely clear what, what, what was 
yeah. it's being yeah, talked yeah. about. Yeah, so carry right, on. Right, right. So, um, so it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It just you are completely in the moment. You're completely in the moment, and, and the pain that's there becomes irrelevant most of the time. So, okay. And in most of the time when people don't have a good race, don't have a good performance, or don't have a good training session, it's because they lose that focus. Um, so they start... Uh, their mind starts going to the future or the past. And, and, and this is, I think, also what happened with Callum. And in that way, he's, he's really not an exception. I mean, this, is, this happens all the time uh, with athletes where, you, you know, you see a split, uh, you see split time, you compare it with how you feel, you realize like, oh my God, maybe I'm not going to run a personal best today. Oh, maybe this is not such a good day. So thoughts like that are already, they already mean that you're not in the present. You're not doing what you're supposed to do on that moment, which is just try to run as fast as you can. You're thinking about the result. So you're thinking about the future, right? You're thinking about what time could I possibly run? How will it be when I cross the finish line? So when you're at the 3K point, you don't want to think about the 5K point. You don't even want to think about the 4K point. You just want to be busy running that lap, right? Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, so then it's about what helps you be fully focused, what helps you to get into a state of flow. Um, there are a few things, and uh, yeah, we can't go too deep in all of them, but uh, one thing is to practice uh, meditation. Uh, I personally used to do um, progressive muscle relaxation. Um, I, for me, that was very helpful as an athlete to, to practice my focus and to be fully in the moment. So I would like... Um, how do you say stretch, flex, and and relax, uh, tension, and uh, how do you say put tension yeah, they, on the uh, muscle? They, they, yeah, they call it uh, call it like a well, it's a different version of of a body scan meditation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you go through slight, all slightly, your different yeah, muscles. slightly different version, but yeah, you one by one you go through all your different muscles and you put some small tension on it for a few seconds and then you release the tension. In between, you go back to your breathing. You you do focused breathing where you breathe in and out and. And, and, and for some people, this sounds kind of new age, you know, uh, kind of funny stuff, but it's actually super practical because you are, when you're doing that, you're fully focused on the now, you know, uh, if you do it well, right? Because, you know, there's no space for other thoughts. You're constantly, what you're doing at that moment, which is you're busy with your muscles, uh, with your breathing. That's one thing I used to do. Another thing which I think is very helpful and, and what, you know, sports psychologists all over the world give to their athletes is visualization where, you know, you, you start maybe two weeks before your race, you start visualizing the race, going through the different stages. You close your eyes. You try to imagine how it is to run. You go through different scenarios. You can be good, can be bad, but you always try to look for a good solution. Um, you know, you can imagine yourself winning the race. You can imagine yourself struggling, but overcoming the pain. So you go through all that. And, and that really, really helps so that the moment you're there during the race, it feels familiar. Your, your, your body and mind know like, okay, I've been here before because you have visualized it in a very vivid way. One, so of, the guys I was, uh, one of the guys I trained with in Norway, we went to do a track session, um, 10 by 1K on the track. And um, we got to the track and it was icy. Um, so we had to get back in the car and go to a road which had like salt on the road so that it didn't ice over um, and do it there instead. And I remember we were warming up on the road and um, Simon, the guy's name is, said, oh, this is going to be a bad session now because I visualized this all week doing it on the track. 
and now we get <laughs> so, <laughs> so you could have some visualization of the road as well i guess <laughs> so so hugo my i i listen to a lot of psychology podcasts and i've done a, a course by um michael gervais who's hosts the um finding mastery podcast and he's a uh, he's the head sports so like head psychologist for the Seattle Seahawks, uh, American football yeah. team. I know um, Michael Jeffrey. Okay. So, so what what I understand from from, from what I've I've listened from him is so is it an absolute yes to to the things that you've just said, um, but that you have to vi- visualization is far less effective if that's the first thing that you're doing or if that's the only thing that you're doing. Like you you need to learn to more like the thing you said first like you need to do the boring the boring stuff before you can try and do the fun race specific stuff um okay. like, like like act activity specific stuff uh, and and that you need to and, and for me for me i still can't really do visualization i've, I've been meditating for over a year now and it, and it really helps in in so many in so many ways and and it's funny that you said it seems some people think it sounds a bit woo woo and a bit new age because it's actually one of the oldest practices that that, that we know about and, and humans have been using this for for thousands of years to to uh, gain control of their mind. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's yeah. the right way of yeah yeah I think that's a very very correct way of putting it getting okay. control and it's all about getting control of your mind yeah uh, yeah and and just. The, the idea being that you need to you need to have control sorry i'm trying to i understand it better than i can explain it which i think is one of the you know i'm, I'm in absolutely no way a, a, an expert at this but i've kind of started to learn how i can utilize it myself so it's, it's harder to put it into words to explain to other people but it's almost like you 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 need to learn to do these things in in the least consequential environment possible initially um and mm-hmm. of course visualization isn't consequential um, because it's just you by yourself and there's no negative outcome but in order for it to be most effective you you need to have some background you need there needs to be a big background layer before that where you're just doing the breathing work you're just doing the body scan type work you're just doing the this is learning to focus learning to focus on like yeah you're breathing or learning to focus on a tree that's in your in your line of vision um, before you try and take those skills into something really specific, like an entire race, um, mm. and, and I think that's difficult for people to do in the initial stages because it doesn't seem like it's as relevant. It seems like you want to get to the yeah the most relevant part, which would be the yeah 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 the, 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 the running specifically. But yeah, my my experience and my understanding is that it'd be very beneficial for for, for runners to spend long periods of time i don't mean long each time you know five ten minutes is, is fantastic um mm. but yeah over a period of months or even years just learning the really really basic stuff about how to how to stay calm uh how to stay focused and then mm-hmm. try and take it into a, a running specific environment uh yeah, yeah, yeah as yeah. opposed to going directly uh, yeah but, but no i mean I, when, when i asked you about what kind of skills you were doing, i was hoping you were going to go down this route of actually practicing mental skills um, away from running uh, yeah i think it's yeah i think it's huge um huge and still underutilized by, by a lot of people it is used and it's, it is still underutilized by lots of people i i like your point that you're saying uh have from uh michael gervais 
Um, and I, that's for me actually the first time I hear that, that you first have to kind of have that base of, you know, meditation and relaxation exercise before you start doing the specifics. It's is funny because it's very similar to running, of course. I mean, if you, if you come to a club and you say, I want to be a 3K runner, you generally don't start uh, immediately with a 10 times 400 at your 3K race pace. Yeah, if, yeah uh, for sure. If, sure. Yeah, you build some you, basic competence. That's easy run. Right. Um, yeah. No, I, I say yes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you you build yeah, your basic yeah, yeah. competencies before you go to something specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For many things, uh, it's a physical part of training. Also, uh, it counts also for strength training. Um, so that it, it doesn't surprise me that according to Gervais, that works the same way for the mental part. But I do think I I I, 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 may, I may have I may not have put it. He may not describe it exactly as I have. Kind of that's how I've taken it, and, and that's right. right. There, there is definitely something in there about basics and doing it in inconsequential environments. But yeah, I, I may have. Yeah, I may, right, right. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not confident to say he says that, but that's how I've understood the, the, the stuff right, that I've right. heard from him. Quote Michael Gervais uh, here. Yeah, he, exactly. I, I, I don't want to get yeah, I don't want to get an email <laughs> from from his people saying no, wait. No. I think he I'd has. Love, a great... I'd, I'd love. I'd love to get an email from his people. So yeah, if they're listening, shoot, shoot us up. Maybe, get some maybe, personal, some personal can, training. Uh, put his uh, email uh, into the yeah. How do you call it? The show. <laughs> yeah. The right. Show Interesting for people to to check it out. I think, but oh, okay. um, yeah, 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 good idea. I I do feel like uh, people can benefit already from visualization, also in the beginning. Um, yeah, I and, and from some research that I read, it, it makes sense to believe that if, if people do three months, for example, of meditation, relaxation exercises and combine that with uh, five to ten minutes of visualization per day or once in three days, uh, that there's a clear effect. Mm. Whether the effect comes from mostly from the visualization or more from the meditation exercises, that is never clear. So but, I actually um, do I actually do remember now one of the things specifically that was on on the course I took, which was on this uh, on on the chapter that that was specifically about this, um, which must be where I've got this idea from. And he was basically saying that when you when he starts working with an athlete uh, or a business person or, or you know someone who's trying to perform their best at a certain thing, he always starts visualization with a piece of fruit, uh, mm-hmm. and basically you pick mm-hmm. a piece of fruit. And you practice visualizing. I think I think he doesn't use the word visualization because he definitely doesn't. What does he say? Um, Imagineering. Yeah, it's it's more like that because he wants you to try and use all the senses, not just images. Yeah, yeah. I think the the sports psychology word for it is imagineering. I often use visualization, but the, like you say, visualization already points to the vision huh, using eyes but actually uh, the official term is imagineering where you try to use all senses taste smell hearing um seeing yeah that, that's, that's yeah that's exactly mm. correct uh, and he was basically saying before you try and do that in the specific skill that you're trying to perform at practice doing it with a mango and imagine how the mango looks and then once you once you've got that in your in your mind's eye and you and you can you can see all the different colors and the, and the different shapes. Uh, then imagine how it feels, how it feels to hold it, how it feels to touch it. Um, 
and then you slice it open and you've got all these new sensations of smell and of taste and yeah i think it was just it was almost more of a step-by-step to get to being skillful at visualization rather than just going right i'm going to lie on the bed now and i'm going to think about my race for for 10 minutes um yeah my my personal experience with that is it actually made me really nervous it made you nervous i I get that it gets like my heart gets racing i get adrenaline but it but it made me like you were saying hugo about staying in the moment um and how important it is during a race to be focused on the moment uh, that type of visualization just made me think about as soon as I stopped visualization, it's, oh my God, there's a race coming. There's a race coming. There's a race coming. Uh, and I'm thinking about this thing that's happening in the future. So it was, it was stopping me from being in the moment. Right, right, right. Okay. So that, that, that's obviously just me not being skilled at that, at that activity. But yeah, that's just one way that, that I know of in order to sort of try and try, try and bring that bring bring that back to to actually being a beneficial practice and i think the key takeaway is is that your mental skills transfer into your activity without them needing to be that specific to running Mm -hmm. yeah in in, in my in my view and in my in my opinion in in your opinion then what what's the what benefits have you found like the actual direct benefits so you, you've turned yeah, so, up on race day, you're yeah, racing. Yeah, sure. no, yeah, I, yeah. yeah I, I can tell you because it has worked. Um, I'm just calm. I, I'm calm. I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm not like, I'm not relaxed. I don't want to be relaxed. I want to be ready. Um, mm. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not terrified. Uh, I'm not anxious. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I, I don't know that I've achieved flow state, um, mm. but I can't have been far off. Um, and yeah, it was just, I was, I knew what I was there for. Um, I knew it was going to be difficult, but I knew that I was capable of doing what it was I wanted to achieve. Um, right. and, and then during the race, I would just have a small mantra in my head that I would repeat when things got tough, uh, which just allowed me to, um, just, just, just allowed me to, to, to stay, uh, to stay in the moment and, and not to get carried away thinking, thinking about the finish line, thinking about what am I going to run if I carry on at this pace? just to yeah. just to stay just to stay in, in what i'm doing um and that was all without doing any specific nothing specific to running at all that was just through mindfulness meditation right right by the way that last point is uh having that mantra uh, that is something called self-talk right so that's mm, yeah completely that's another very important thing i wanted to mention also yeah yeah, um, yeah. go on go on so tell us about self-talk and yeah negative and positive and all that yeah yeah, yeah. I, I feel like that that really helps. I think when I was an elite runner, I didn't practice that uh, uh, very consciously. Um, uh, unconsciously, it was there and, and uh, mostly positive, but um, I wish I had used it in a, in a more, uh, how do you say? Yeah, like direct, more structured. Yeah. More structured way. Yeah, but I really believe that that can be helpful where... Uh, basically you come up with certain yeah call it mantras call it just a phrase eh? it can be a simple phrase like you can do this um can be something where you're saying uh time for the finishing sprint um can be you're you're telling yourself fast and smooth fast and smooth um can be different things right and 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 often i think it works well when you you may have different phrases or mantras for different sections of the race because in the beginning of the race you mostly want to be relaxed and comfortable at a certain pace 
Whereas maybe uh, towards half of the race or three quarters of the race, it's more about um, uh, trying to maintain a good pace while you're getting tired. So yeah, you, you may need some more motivation there. And towards the end of the race, it's all about, you know, just finishing as fast as you can. Mm. You may have different races for different sections, but if you have just one phrase that works for you, that's also fine. But I think the main thing with that is that you take control of your brain. So that, I think that's the main point, that you know what you're going to tell yourself. You know the thoughts you're going to have because you decided before the race what you're going to think. And as a result, you don't have so much negative thoughts or, you know, um, how do you say, unrelated thoughts coming into your head. Yeah, completely. Right. Uh, yeah, and you, like how many times, it's a genuine question, Callum, like, but how many times during the race did you say something in your head that was negative about yourself? Um, yeah, it's hard to say because... At... Yeah, sorry, how many times is a silly question. Yeah, the, the, did, the did, first... did, you, did you say something negative to yourself during the race? Or did you have, uh, yeah, in the, I, those last two minutes? I, I don't think I said anything negative where I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm doing rubbish, but I definitely... Hugo was saying earlier, when you start thinking, "Oh no, I'm not going to run a PB." That, yeah, okay, that, that's 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 negative. Yeah, that that that's actually what cost me probably the biggest chunk of time overall. Because at at three point five, three point six k, I was still on for a very fast time, and then the second I realised, okay, I'm out, I'm outside fourteen twenty now, which is my PB. Even if I run, even if I carry on running a, a decent pace, I'm going to run fourteen twenty one, fourteen twenty two, and at that point. That's when I like. Mm. That's when you know it went to pop. Whereas, whereas uh, looking back now, would you rather you ran fourteen twenty one or fourteen thirty one? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, right. if I had, I guess if I had stayed in the moment and not even, and that thought hadn't even crossed my mind, I wasn't thinking about my personal best. I was just thinking about running as hard as I could at that moment in time. Then yeah, probably. So I so again, just to touch. I know we don't have too much time, but I think that leads us in, Hugo, to another aspect that Callum just basically described, that he he was focusing on the outcome, not the process. Is, is that another sort of ta- not necessarily oh, yeah. tactic? Is that another? I mean, that's that's almost always what happens when people really die at the end of a race. And, and sometimes you have clear negative thoughts, but often it's more just like an overall feeling of this is not my, oh my God, I didn't come for this. It, it didn't work out. Right. And, and like I said, sometimes they are clear thoughts and sometimes it's not really a clear thought, but it's just more like a general feeling. But yeah, I think that's that describes it very well, that what happens is that your focus is suddenly completely gone. Uh, your, your, your mind is not anymore in the present, but is busy with the results. Right. Mm. Uh, and, and then as a result of that, of course, I mean, in training by yourself, if you if you would go out in training and try to run as fast as you can, eh, for all of us, uh, we wouldn't come really near the times we would be able to set in a race. And the main difference is that focus that you have in a race and the the willingness to suffer, the willingness to to the motivation is much higher in a race. And as a result, we are willing to endure much more pain, and we're much more focused. So it, it is completely logic that when you lose that focus. Suddenly, you're like, whoa, you know, what's happening? Because you're already at the point that you never reach in training. I mean, if I tell uh, Callum in training, run under 8.30 on a 3K, I don't think that would be possible. Yeah, yeah. Really hard, right? But now in a race, you just suddenly run 8.23 and it's okay. It feels okay. 
but then uh, suddenly when you lose the focus, suddenly your 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 race head is kind of changed by head, right? Yeah. So it's normal that you then uh, lose the capacity to continue. Yeah. So, so, so Callum, uh, are these tactics that you are using yourself, or is this something that you would consider? Or uh, yeah, I, I I'm kind of like what Hugo was saying, where I have been trying to use it, but probably not in a very like structured way. I like I do race visualization, but it was kind of like what you were describing, where I just kind of lie down and think about my race, and if anything, it just makes me a bit nervous. And um, so, yeah, I, I think, well, yeah, definitely, I'm gonna try and do it in a more, yeah, applicable and, and structured way, and so, maybe a more simply, like you were saying as well. Yeah, well, so all I did was just downloaded an app. It, it, I do, I pay for it, but it's it's cheap. Um, it right. I don't think it matters too much which one you get. There's, there's multiple out there. Um, yeah. And the, and the, I just do 10, 15 minutes a day of just guided mindfulness meditation. You find one, they're all different. You find ones you like. Some of them don't really work for you. Some of them you like the feel of. And I mean, as a starting point, I think that's absolutely brilliant. Um, mm. That that would be my advice to anyone from an, from an unqualified, but have experienced the benefits of it side. Mm. Um, and yeah, just start, just start to learn what the things what, what, what you can do in order to gain some control over your thoughts and, and your feelings. Yeah. Um, right. and yeah. I know, I know some people think that sounds woo woo. Um, but yeah, I mean, in my opinion, it, it has a big performance impact. So yeah, I'm all for it. I, I think in the end, you know, the people who do say it's, it's, how do you call it? Woo woo. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I think they have not realized yet the potential of the mind. So they will, mm. You know, for the rest of their life, probably not step into their their highest, their strongest resource, basically. So it's it's very unfortunate when people kind of dismiss that idea in the end, because I think, I think all top athletes, the real top athletes, know the truth, and the truth is that that you know you perform basically with your mind. You all do the hard training, and without that hard training, you you're not you know if you're not well prepared physically, you're not going to perform. But in the end the mind is super important and i think i think you know the people who dismiss that are, are never top athletes because yeah, they know this uh, no, yeah, i think that's a great summary um let's uh, let's let's wrap it up there hugo i think that's a good, a good I, I wanted to say yeah. one oh, more small thing yeah, it's okay yeah, um, yeah yeah but i heard both of you say like okay when you do visualization you you get nervous mm. and that's true but i also kind of wanted to reframe that a bit also for our listeners the first things to learn when you start to race and prepare for races is that, you know, when you visualize a race, your body gets into race mode. It's, it's very logic, you know, like when, when I see Federer and Nadal um, play tennis, right? And I'm going to now sit down, I close my eyes, eyes and I imagine that I'm playing tennis with Nadal or, you know, or with my friend, doesn't matter. And is that the muscles in my left arm, I, I'm left-handed, will start to twitch kind of there there is some muscle recruitment going on because i visualize myself hitting that ball so i right now when i'm talking i'm doing this and i i feel my fist already you know um how do you say as if i'm holding a record yeah i feel my shoulder getting tense so that's completely normal so when you're preparing for a running race happens when you're running a race you're running with a heart rate of 190 or something like that so when you're visualizing 
your body gets into the mode or the mood of visualizing. So it is, it is, it is really normal, of course, that your heart rate goes up. You probably start to sweat a little bit more. Uh, there is some more uh, muscle recruitment going on, even though you're not actually flexing a muscle. But um, yeah, this is just your body getting ready for competition. Simply so, that. So yeah, I, I would rather reframe that nervousness into getting ready for competition. So when you're visualizing for five to 10 minutes, that's basically what happens. You're, you're getting your body ready for competition. And uh, yeah, so you can call it nervousness. That's fine. But as long as there's no negative feeling about that nervousness if you know what i mean so i i think in my in my situation i believe it's the same as what callum's describing um i i i get i get that point here i think it's a very good point i think you were quite good at visualization and i think callum and i just aren't very good at it at this point in time um and the thoughts what? i was having were just just too haphazard that it's just it's a general feeling about the race um, and then when I say it's leave, when I say it's making me nervous, I don't mean in the moment. I, I completely understand how that would that could almost be a positive thing. Um, it's leaving me nervous in a general sense outside of the visualization. It's, it's right, just, right, right, right. Yeah, that that that's more how I'm experiencing it. I don't know if that summarizes for you as yeah. well, Callum. Yeah, yeah. I I mainly just get nervous for the pain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And you'd rather not think about it at that point. I'm but, but, scared but, about but, well yeah but that but again i don't know the specific tactic for it but part of this whole overall process is knowing that you are able to deal with it you, yeah you're, there's nothing you can do unless you just stop running hard which is an option you've got you can just go an easy run but if you want to run hard it's going to be painful so part of this is just coming to an acceptance an acceptance mm. with it um and you and yes it hurts but you are someone who is capable of dealing with that mm. yeah that's a good one. That for me, that would be my, the only fear I always had was not the pain. The fear I had was that on the moment itself, I would give in to the pain. Right. So I would always, when I visualize, I would always tell myself like, okay, the pain will come and I will deal with it. I will deal with it because that's the most important part of my race. You know, we the first 75% of the race is easy, but the last 25% when there's a lot of pain, I don't want to be a sissy and, 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 and give in to that pain. That's what I would generally tell myself. So that, yeah, that, that, would, that would make me a bit nervous actually, but not so much because I was scared of the pain, but more like scared that I would, you know, slow down or something. Mm. Yeah, no, great. Yeah. I, I, think that's a I think that's a really interesting uh, episode. I think it's kind of, yeah, it's great for... Hopefully, hopefully there's something in that for the listeners. But I think just for just for ourselves, that was that was good fun and um, interesting yeah. to get some other other perspectives. Definitely. Um, so my 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 leaving tip uh, would be to check out someone like Michael Gervais, um, which is the Finding Mastery podcast. So any runners out there who haven't come across that, um, he has. It's it's not completely sports based, but there are some episodes on there with sports people, including runners. So if you kind of an easy way into it might be to listen to some of the runners he's interviewed um otherwise there's some really great coaches some really great athletes from other sports as well as sort of people in business and, and just other other walks of life so yeah that would be my that would be my tip for people who want to take this take this further um yeah i don't know if anyone you don't have to have one but if, if anyone's got sort of a last thought of how people can can go a bit further with this this area um <laughs> yeah no i, I agree with you that Check out Michael Gervais and, and just, you know, follow the, the tips that we have. Uh, of course, we are 
Callum and I are writing a book on this, but yeah, it will take some time to come out. So we'll let people know uh, when they can read our stuff, which has a very uh, yeah big section on. Um, yeah, which but, I think. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I would say just uh, just start putting something into practice. Like it's always a bit um, a bit daunting trying something new, or yeah, kind of kind of accepting that you this is something that you need to try and that it will help your performance. But I would say yeah, just just start doing it, give it a go, and uh, yeah. see if it helps. No, yeah, 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 good, good. It's, it's getting started, isn't it? It's always it's always the hardest. Yeah. Yeah, just like yeah, just, just basic, just basic also, meditations on like YouTube and stuff. You can just go on YouTube, type in basic mindfulness meditation and just, yeah. yeah. So having said that, that's how I started. And when I went to an app and actually started doing it with professionals as opposed to just people who've uploaded them themselves on YouTube, it was vastly different. But it was still, right. whatever, it was almost like a gateway. I think I needed to do it to see, oh, okay, yeah, that's what this is about. Yeah. Um, yeah, go on. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I feel like the I mean in the end the more time you put into it, the better the outcome. So it's not a quick fix where you do two or three times meditation and like you have the best races uh, of your life. You know, it's uh, just like with training. You have to be disciplined. You have to be consistent. Uh, keep doing it, and and you'll get better over time. Mm. Let's um let's wrap up there. It's been a bit of a long episode, but I think it was uh, I think it was worth worthwhile. So yeah, if you want to learn more from from Coach Hugo, uh, follow him personally on social media, uh, or it's pretty easy to find if you just search for uh, Hugo Van den Broek. Um, Coach Callum is on social media as what is it, Runner Cow? Yeah. Is that up? Yeah, Callum That's Jones, like, Runner Cow. Yeah. Um, yeah, you won't you won't find me if you search Callum Jones. It's pretty yeah, common. It's too many, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and their their coaching their coaching company uh, is no, you say it in case I get it wrong trainsmarterrunfaster.com so that's that's our website and you can find us on Instagram at trainsmarterrunfaster as well yeah and then obviously you can uh, if you want to learn more about our, our trips in Kenya with Coach Hugo uh, or our new camps in the UK with Coach James T um, then you can visit our website at www.runningtrips.co.uk uh, otherwise we will be back for another podcast shortly thanks for joining us and see you next time <laughs>